SAF podcast brings to you the coherent, cohesive, logical, and relevant defense of the Christian worldview. From laymen to experts in the field, everyone can tune in and be equipped. We also aim to introduce to the audience the plethora of work and research done in the field of Christian apologetics in defending the faith and the individuals who further the intellectual cause of Christianity by featuring the greatest minds of the Christian apologetics arena. Hello everyone and welcome to yet another brand new episode of SAFT podcast. And today we are looking at Deuteronomy 18 to see if there has ever been a prophet in history like Moses as promised by God. Now, Moses was just awesome and unbelievable as a prophet. So the stakes are pretty high. And if the prophecy mentioned in Deuteronomy 18 becomes important, and this is the reason it becomes important, because if one claims to be a prophet like Moses, then one claims that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the great I am, has anointed that person to be a straight and representative of God himself. And to help us with this question is Sam Shamoon, a forefront defender of Christianity and someone who needs no introduction because most of us are very familiar with Sam Shamoon's video and his YouTube channel and his tag team rebuttals with the Dizzle, David Wood. I'll be dropping a link uh, to Sam's channel in the description and do check it out and stay subscribed. Sam also has regular live stream videos um, and those are very, very uh, informative and encouraging and equipping for all believers to tune in. So, Sam, it's an honor and a blessing for us to have you on Saft Podcast and a very warm welcome. Thank you for having me. And I praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for gracing me by his spirit to glorify Jesus Christ by serving the members of the body of Jesus Christ. And I am your servant for the sake of the Lord Jesus. And I ask the Holy Spirit to bless us, the Holy Spirit to strengthen my voice, my throat, to use it to glorify Jesus Christ and bless all who hear in Jesus' almighty name. So praise the Lord, brother. Amen. And to our listeners, if you right before we dive into this interesting topic, if you're watching uh, to this podcast, then you can listen to the podcast for an audio experience if that is what you prefer on all podcasting platforms. And if you're listening to this podcast on a particular podcasting platform, you can head over to YouTube to our channel at Saft Apologetics and you can watch and hear to this interaction. And uh, do subscribe to the channel to keep updated on our upcoming podcasts. As you know, this is a bi-weekly podcast. So we have even more exciting content rolling out for you. And if the Lord leads you and guides you in your heart, you can stand by and support the content creation that we do on YouTube for as little as $3 a month on Patreon. And now that's out of the way and let's dive right in. So yes, Sam, <clears throat> before we uh, head a bit ahead, uh, maybe our listeners might be interested to know how you and David uh, came to know each other. How did that, how was that first interaction? Well, <clears throat> we got to know each other through the website Answering Islam. AnsweringIslam.net, because before YouTube, before Zoom and all these other features, what you had was <clears throat> websites where you would write articles and written responses. You didn't have YouTube channel. You didn't have right. Zoom where you could do live streams or record <clears throat> responses, <clears throat> you had to write out your responses. So David Wood <clears throat> started contributing articles to Answering Islam, 
And that's how we got to meet. We met via Answering Islam. And then early on, <clears throat> when Nabil was still with us, he's now with the Lord Jesus Christ. I met him and Nabil at a conference in Michigan. And that's how the Lord Jesus cemented our relationship together. Because from there, we went on to do shows called Jesus or Muhammad on a satellite station called ABN. And yes. God from there was pleased to use us and open doors so that <clears throat> he prospered us. And I pray he continues to prosper us for his glory in Jesus name. Amen. That is, that is very interesting. And uh, thank Lord for the way he has used both of you amazingly in all these years of ministry. Amen. And so right now diving into the topic that we're going to look at for the next 30 minutes or so, um, we're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 18. And in this passage, the Lord God promises that he is going to raise a prophet like Moses to the people. And so we're going to look in and see if there has ever been in history someone as powerful and someone who really took up after Moses, the, prof, uh, the prophesied prophet from the Lord himself. <clears throat> so yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and look into these verses right now to the audience. We are reading from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15 onwards, and it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear according to all you desire of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, what they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that who will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of the other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So Sam, that is the passage that we're looking at. So what is the context that we, that's, that's happening here? Well, you, you read the context. If you read, look at Deuteronomy 18. I want you to read 16 to 17 one more time, slowly, to see what the context is. Read Deuteronomy 18, verses 16 to 17. It reads, According to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. Okay, now, I want you to pay attention. God is now honoring their request and giving them what they asked. Well, what is this referring to? Remember, this is now the end of Moses' prophetic ministry. He's about to die. So he's wrapping things up. He's summing things up. And he's reiterating the law because he's about to be taken away from them. And Joshua will assume the leadership role. And so God is now honoring their request. What was their request? They go, we don't want to hear from God anymore. We don't want to hear his voice audibly. We don't want to see the pillar of cloud. You speak to us because we can't handle the presence of God and the audible voice of God. Now, to understand what they're referring to or Moses is referring to, it's referring to Exodus chapter 19 and 20. Exodus chapter 19 and 20. So whoever's watching this, you need to read both chapters in context because there it says, God told Moses to prepare the Israelites for God's descent on the Mount of Horeb, Mount Horeb. He told, uh, he told Israel, Moses to tell Israel, three days, refrain from sexual intimacy with your spouses. 
you know, bathe yourselves, your clothes, and get ready. On the third day, the Lord God will descend. And then it says, the Lord God descended in a pillar of cloud where they saw what looked like lightning, you know, peals of thunder, fire, and smoke. And then they heard God's voice speaking loudly, audibly, out from the cloud. And that's where he gives them the Ten Commandments. So now, if you can, brother, go to Exodus 20, Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 to 23. Exodus 20, verses 18 to 23. And it reads, Now all the people witnessed the thundering, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear. For God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near in the thick darkness where God was. Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me, gods of silver or gods of gold. You shall not make for yourselves. Do you notice it's in the context of they saw the cloud. They didn't see a form, but they saw the cloud. They knew God was in the cloud and heard his voice audibly speaking from the sky on top mount. And the voice was so powerful that it struck them with fear, terror, and dread. And they said to Moses, please, you speak to us. We don't need to hear from God. We're convinced the God of Israel is the true God and you're his servant. So then in Deuteronomy, Moses is about to die. So what is God saying? He's reassuring them. You don't want me to show up and speak to you directly, audibly, appear in a, plural, a pillar of cloud. You wanted Moses to speak to you. So guess what? Moses is about to die, but I'm going to honor your quest because I'm now going to raise up a prophet like him from your brothers, the 12 tribes. He may be from Judah. He may be from Levi, but I'm going to continue to speak to you through a prophet like Moses. I won't need to show up visibly in a cloud for you to see. You won't need to hear my voice audibly anymore. I will now send you a prophet to speak my words to you, and you need to hear him and follow him if he's validated as a true prophet. So historically, brother, historically, it's not referring to Jesus. It's referring to the line of prophets, a succession of prophets that is fulfilled in Jesus. That's historical context. Excellent. So, um, so when I when I looked at the passage, something that struck out to me is, um, is this passage just strictly talking about this one particular prophesied prophet or about prophethood or caveats about false prophets and how to discern them as well? Isn't it all of it in these passages? It's If you read it, it's about sending a prophet like Moses, but it's not one particular prophet because God is going to continue to speak to Israel for centuries, right? I mean, after Moses... Joshua is the prophet like Moses and that God speaks through Joshua, does miracles by the hands of Joshua. The Jordan is split. They cross it. And then after Joshua comes other prophets until we get to the Lord Jesus Christ. So God is reassuring them. This is why even as Christians who love the scriptures and we love and worship our Lord Jesus Christ, we have to first understand its immediate contextual meaning and then see how it applies to Christ. God is reassuring them, I won't abandon you. You're going to have me with you. And since you don't want me to show up and speak to you directly, you don't want to hear my voice audibly, 
then I'm going to keep sending you these prophets authorized by me, empowered by me, filled with the spirit to speak to you. And then we find its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So keep that in mind. It's a line of prophets because Moses is about to die. God is reassuring them, I'm not going to abandon you. There'll be a prophet like him speaking to you. And this is how you're going to know he's a prophet like Moses. And it's going to be an ongoing succession until it culminates in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the meaning. So does Jesus fulfill it? Absolutely. Is it only about Jesus? Not contextually, no. It's not only about him. It's right. fulfilled in him yes. completely, fully, just like the promise of an heir to David. If you read the right. Old Testament carefully, God hmm. swore to David, a son of his, would sit on his throne forever, provided his son maintained covenant faithfulness. So that was a promise that wasn't limited to Christ, that and its immediate historical application referred to Solomon, and then all the successive heirs to David's throne fulfilled ultimately in Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate, the complete and perfect fulfillment of all these promises and blessings. Right. So in this passage, when God says a prophet like Moses, um, what do you think sets apart Moses? Like what are the attributes that people can look and say, this is a prophet like Moses? Number one, he spoke the words of God there, right? Because it means a prophet like Moses, I will put my words in his mouth. So he speaks the words of God. The second characteristic that is <clears throat> definitional to being like Moses is that he speaks to God directly face to face <laughs> and does miracles similar to Moses. So if you go to Deuteronomy 34, verses 10 to 12, Deuteronomy 34, verses 10 to 12. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily that if a prophet doesn't do miracles, he doesn't qualify to be like Moses, provided God speaks to him, commissions him, and he speaks the words of God. But ultimately, the one who's going to be exactly like Moses and greater, because we're not just saying like Moses in the case of Jesus, because though Moses and Jesus are similar, Jesus is like Moses, Moses is like Jesus, Jesus is still infinitely greater than Moses, because he's more than a man, he's God in the flesh. Just like we're told Melchizedek is like Jesus, Jesus is like Melchizedek, but he's infinitely right. greater than Melchizedek because Jesus is more than a man. He's God in the flesh. So though he's like these prophets, like Moses, like David, he's still infinitely greater than every one of them. Right. So and we don't want to press the likeness and, and ignore the differences which sets Jesus apart and higher than them. Being like someone doesn't mean you're going to be identical to him and exactly like him in every way. You can hmm. be similar enough, but also different. Because if he's going to be exactly like Moses, then he's simply a carbon copy of Moses. And if he's going to be like Moses in every way, then he has to be a Levite. So again, right. similar enough, but also different and greater. So what would be the key similarities that you would want to focus in on or that the Bible focuses on? Well, in the context of Islamic apologetics, this disqualifies Muhammad. Jesus hmm. fulfills all the criteria of being like Moses. Muhammad fulfills none of them because what was the promise in its historical context? I will send to you, Israel, prophets communicating my words from among your brothers. So he's going to be an Israelite. He's going to speak God's words from the time of Moses' death up until the time of Christ. It's not limited to one person, but an office of prophets fulfilled in Jesus, none of which can apply to Muhammad, 
all of which does fulfill, find its fulfillment in Jesus in the perfect, complete sense. Because again, if you go to Deuteronomy 34, verses 10 and 12, what does it say? It says, but since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land, and by all that mighty power and all the great terror, which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Now notice what you're reading. Moses is, is about to die, and God is about to bury him. So up to that point of Moses' death, no one had arisen like Moses, right? But then guess what happens? The very next book, Joshua, Joshua is summoned by God, and God tells Joshua that he is a servant of God like Moses is, and not to be afraid because God would be with him like he was with Moses. So now, in the next book, arises the first prophet in the succession of prophets like Moses, whom God is speaking face-to-face -face with, and he mm -hmm. does signs and wonders. Because if you read the book of Joshua, one of the signs similar to Moses is that the Jordan River was split so that Israel could cross through. And the right. sun stood still, right, in Joshua yes. 10? Yes. So you see God now is showing his faithfulness in keeping his promised Israel and sending prophets like Moses. But now, does Jesus fulfill all of the criteria? Well, what was the criteria? Face-to-face, -face, speaking face-to-face -face with God. Now, how did God speak face-to-face -face with Moses? Go to Exodus 33, verses 7 to 11. Exodus 33, verses 7 to 11. And it reads, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp far from the camp and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out of the tabernacle that all the people arose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of tabernacle pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped each man in his tent door so the lord spoke to moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and he would return to the camp but his servant joshua the son of nun a young man did not depart from the tabernacle now notice what you read god would speak to him face to face face to face means he would come and speak directly to him right directly to him in other words, he wouldn't send an angel like Gabriel. He himself showed up in the pillar of cloud. And what did the Israelites do when they saw the pillar of cloud? They knew God is in the cloud. And they would bow down and worship because they're worshiping God who's in the cloud. Moses would enter the cloud and speak to God directly face to face. So notice cloud, Moses entering the cloud and speaking to God directly face to face. Not sending an angel like Gabriel to speak to Moses on God's behalf. Now go to Numbers 12, verses 5 to 8. Numbers 12, verses 5 to 8. And reads, Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both went forward. Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So God again descends in a cloud, and Aaron and Miriam hear God's voice audibly, right? Right. 
And he says, I speak face to face with Moses, more literally mouth to mouth, meaning I speak directly to him. I don't send an angel speak on my behalf and he even sees my shape, the shape that I take, the form that I appear in. You see that, right? Yes. Okay. Now, does Jesus fulfill that? Let's go to Matthew 17. Let's read verses one to five and pay attention to verse five. Face to face, right? <clears throat> Without angelic mediation now some people may get confused as you turn there they'll say well don't you believe jesus is god yes we believe he's god in nature but he's not the father he's not the holy spirit that's why we're trinitarian so as god's son who became man the god man he speaks face to face with god the father so right. because people say well he is god yes hmm. but he's not the father the father is god one with the son and the spirit not the same person Three eternal relationships, three distinct persons, hence the Trinity. So Jesus speaks face-to-face -face with the Father, and the Father speaks face-to-face -face with him. So in Matthew 17, verses 1 to 5, is it a coincidence Moses and Elijah show up, hmm. and Peter, James, and John see Moses and Elijah as disembodied spirits because they don't have bodies. They're appearing in their spiritual shape, their spiritual form, their spiritual bodies because their physical bodies have been done away with, waiting the resurrection of those bodies. And then something else happens. Matthew 17, verses 1 to 5. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Did you catch it? Just like God came down in a, on a mountain in a cloud. Right. Yes. And spoke to Moses directly, and Israel heard God's audible voice. God the Father came down in a cloud on a mountain where Jesus' true inner nature shone through his physical body. And Moses and Elijah appeared. And then God the Father's voice is heard audibly. And he speaks to Peter, James, and John saying, not this is my servant. Notice why I said Jesus similar, but greater, right? Right. Yes. Because God told Aaron and Miriam, my servant Moses. But here God says to Peter, James, and John, my beloved son, the son whom I love, listen to him. So you see, though similar, he's much greater than Moses, right? Right. So does Jesus fulfill that part of the criteria? Oh, yes, he does. The other criteria was doing signs and wonders like Moses. Now, one of the signs that Moses did is that during his lifetime, this is in Exodus 16. It's too long to read. But I'll sum it up. Exodus 16, God rained down manna for 40 years in the desert to sustain Israel with manna, the bread of heaven, as well as bringing quails from an east wind to eat. That's Exodus 4, uh, 16, sorry. The bread of heaven, the manna. Our Lord in John 6, it's a long one. So if you go to John 6, I'll tell you which parts to read. John 6, we're not going to read all the way. We're just going, I'm going to sum up. In John 6, verses 1 to 13. Our Lord is in the wilderness. There are 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And he miraculously feeds them by <laughs> the hands of the apostles with few loaves and fish, right? Right. So this is in the wilderness. Now watch what happens here. When we get there, 
you go to John 6 and read 14 and 15. What do they say when they see that miracle? Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Did you catch it? A yes. prophet. See, they're looking to the prophet like Moses, because during that time, they were awaiting a prophet to arise like Moses. Right. When Jesus multiplied bread, they saw it as a sign similar to what Moses had done. <laughs> and so what did they say? Here he is. The prophet who is to come into the world, the prophet like Moses, because for all this time, God had sent us prophets. So we're waiting for a prophet like Moses. Here he is. And then just to reinforce that they're thinking in terms of the prophet like Moses. If you go to John 6, read 22 to 29. We're going to break it down, but I want you to read John 6, 22 to 29. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there, except the one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do, that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Now, watch the connection with Moses. Now, John 6, 30 to 33. Watch what happens here. Notice the connection with Moses and the manna. Therefore, they said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. And gives life to the world. Are you making connection with now Moses yes. and the manna? And so you see again, they're making mm. it. Can I hold on? He's doing a miracle similar to what Moses did. But you know what? We need more. One sign is not enough. We need greater, more proof that he's truly like Moses. And Jesus says, Well, I want to give you the greatest proof of all. The bread that your fathers ate, they still died. I am the true bread that if you eat from, you'll never die. Something that Moses could not do for you. So now let's read John 6, 34, all the way to 40. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will so, of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So Jesus now does something astonishing, which Moses could never say and never said. 
That's why I say, though similar, he's infinitely greater. He goes, unlike Moses, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Like that manna actually came down from heaven, I actually came down from heaven to become flesh, flesh that he took from his blessed mother while she was a virgin by the power of the Spirit. And unlike Moses who died, I will give you everlasting life. I will satisfy you spiritually that you never hunger and thirst again. And then at the last day, at the day of resurrection, I will raise you up immortal, indestructible. Things that no creature can say because the Jews knew from the Hebrew Bible, only God and God alone sustains life, grants everlasting life, and only God on the day of judgment will resurrect the dead and grant believers immortality. But Jesus says, I will do that, the Son. Notice he's not the Father. Because the Father gives him the believers. He's the son of the Father who's equal to the Father because he can do what only God does, preserve forever and resurrect believers immortal, physically right. and spiritually. Which <laughs> if he's a creature, that's blasphemy. But if he's right. God, one with the Father, he's worthy of worship, right? Exactly. But it's going to get worse for, for the Jewish mindset who doesn't think he's a man, that he's God. He's just a man. They're going to they're gonna now become livid and grumble and say something. Notice in 41 to 44. Read 41 to 44. We're almost done with this section. The 41 Jews, to 44. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. I will raise him up at the last day. So notice two things he's saying that are blowing right. their mind. We know whose who's parents. We know whose father and mother is. Ironically, in saying that, they actually show they don't know because Joseph wasn't his biological father. <laughs> he had no biological father. So notice in saying they know whose parents are, they show they don't know who he truly is because Joseph is not his father. And then they're scandalized because they know Jesus meant it literally, that he did <laughs> come down from heaven, actually came down, not as a plan of God that became reality, but as a person who actually came down to become flesh. And they're scandalized by that. But Jesus doesn't correct them, saying, you misunderstood me. No, I did come down, and you need to come to me, and I will raise you up at the last day immortal. None of which a creature can say, only God can say. And the other connection with Moses, it's about to show up right here. Read 45 to 47. 45, 47. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. So notice, I have seen the Father. I beheld him. I know him hmm. truly, completely, and I alone can make him known to you. Now go to John 5.37 because the Father has a visible shape by which you can see him. And I'm going to explain what that means and what it doesn't mean. But I want you to go to John 5.37 to make the connection with Moses. And I'm going to explain. And basically, Jesus fulfilled all the criteria, like Moses, but infinitely better and greater. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. Now understand form and shape. Now let me explain what that doesn't mean. If we believe the Bible that God created all time, all space, all place, the heavens and the earth, God exists before there's time, God exists before there's place and space. So by, by nature, God is shapeless. 
By nature, right. he's formless. By nature, he's spaceless. Because he existed when there wasn't a time, space, or place for him to dwell in. So when Jesus says form or shape, that's because God, who created all forms and shape, can appear in a shape and a form by which you can see. Exactly. And if you read the Bible correctly and in context, those in heaven see God the Father in a visible shape. He allows himself to be seen in a visible way, manner by taking on a form by which those in heaven see him. And if we had another session, we can unpack that. So Jesus is saying, I know that shape. I've seen that form. I know who he is, and I alone can make him known to you. Now, remember what God said to Aaron and Miriam? My servant Moses, I speak to him mouth to mouth, face to face, not in riddles, but plainly, and he beholds the form of the Lord. <laughs> so like Jesus, God speaks face to face with Jesus. I'm sorry, like Moses. Like Moses, Jesus has beheld the form of the Father. Like Mo Moses, Jesus does miracles like Moses, but greater miracles than Moses, because he's like him, but greater than him, because he's hmm. God in the flesh. So as far as the New Testament's concerned, Jesus fulfills the criteria of a prophet like Moses perfectly, and then he confirmed and backed it up by his glorious resurrection to physical immortality on the third day. End of story. He's like Moses. Amen. And what that actually means for us Christians is of supreme importance, because like you said, it is not a mere mortal who is uh, similar to Moses, but someone far, like you said, infinitely greater than Moses, the true Messiah and the savior of all mankind. Yes. Well, this was this was truly enlightening because frankly, whenever I come across the similarity of Moses and Jesus, uh, I've never heard the historical context of the succession of prophets. There's always a direct link made between Moses all the way to Jesus. Uh, I, 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 I don't think I've ever come across anyone who, who made this connection to the succession of prophets. Because maybe it's because the most important prophet for us to focus on Jesus, maybe that's why, maybe they're exactly. aware of it. No, that's why. Right. So maybe just, let me just hold you on one final point and we are going to conclude here. Uh, yes. The immediate successor of Moses as prophet. Is it yes. Joshua? Yes. Um, that's why, don't stop at Deuteronomy 34. Don't take hmm. my word for it. Right. I want everyone who's listening, because then I want you to read one final passage before we conclude. But everyone who's listening, right when you finish Deuteronomy 34, read Joshua 1. God says to Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. But he says, don't be afraid. I will be with you. And then Joshua is called the servant of God. In other words, what God is saying, though my servant is dead, I will now speak to you face to face and deal directly with you and through you lead my people. Now, let me tell you the wisdom of that. Can I show you the wisdom? before? We, I know we have to wrap up. We're pressed yes, for time. Yes, we have time. Joshua, his name was Hoshea, and it says Moses changed his name to Joshua. Now, in Hebrew, Joshua is Yehoshua. Yehoshua and Jesus, our Lord, his Hebrew name is Yeshua. Yeshua is the shortened form of Yehoshua. Yeshua comes from Yehoshua. Hmm. Yehoshua is the same name of Joshua. Joshua in Hebrew is Yehoshua. Our Lord Jesus' name is Yeshua, coming from Yosho. So they have the same name. Hmm. Now, I want you to see the wisdom of God in doing what he did. If you go to John 1.17, it says, The law came through Moses, but great grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Moses represents the law, and no one can enter into God's rest by the law. You only hmm. enter by the grace of Jesus, right? Right. Is it a coincidence that it was 
Jesus, Joshua, who brought them into the promised land, not Moses, because Moses represents the law, but that Joshua represents Jesus to come. So it's Jesus hmm. who brings you into the land of rest, not Moses, because the law cannot save anyone. Only Jesus, Joshua can. That is that is powerful imagery. Wow. And it My is. is that's why his name was changed to Joshua, because that's Jesus' mm -hmm. Hebrew name. But now finally, icing on the cake to show you that Jesus, though like Moses, is better than Moses. Go to Hebrews 3, verses 3 to 6, and we're done. Hebrews 3, verses 3 to 6. And just as you go there, I want people to know I didn't invent this interpretation, Deuteronomy 18. It's the standard ancient interpretation and the contextual historical one, even among commentaries. That doesn't mean Jesus is in fulfillment. It means there is a succession of prophets that Jesus alone is the perfect fulfillment of, because all the other prophets were sinners who died and could not perfectly fulfill that role. And we might say Jesus is the perfect final fulfillment as well. He is. That's it. Because that's why we go to him right. for the commands of God, not to Moses or those who came after him. Right. And the verse reads, for this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And now explain that before you go on, brother. Saying Jesus is worthy of greater honor than Moses. Why? Because who's greater? The builder of the house or the house? The builder. So the builder is greater than the home and those who live right. in it. That's why Jesus is greater than Moses, because hmm. Jesus, unlike Moses, is the builder of the house and the builder of all things is God, thereby showing Jesus is God who built the house, right. whereas Moses is simply a servant hmm. in the house. Now continue. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his houses as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if you hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope, firm to the end would you say moses is simply a servant in the house jesus is the son over the house he oversees the house he owns the house and everything in it because he is the god with the father who built the house to be his possession right wow that is that is powerful connections made throughout scripture not just pointing towards how jesus uh, one like Moses, but someone far greater than Moses. In fact, God incarnate, Amen. the one and true savior of all mankind, sent here so that we may behold the father through the son in the relationship Amen. that we have. Amen. Thank you so much, Sam. For Thank that. you for having me. It's, I for may that. the Lord Jesus bless you, your ministry, and prosper you for his glory in Amen. Jesus' almighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Sam. And my mind is blown. I mean, right now it's quite late here and I'm recording, but I think I, I won't be able to go back to sleep for a while. And I hope the, all the listeners were also truly blessed uh, by this insight from Sam so that we may preach the gospel with the assurance that when we look at Moses and see who he is, we have someone far greater than Moses, God incarnate here with us, who has promised that he's not going to leave us or abandon us, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen. Thank you so much, our listeners, for tuning in. We are very excited to have you here with us. And once again, Sam, thank you for joining us. Uh, we you, look bro. forward to having you again in the future and uh, God bless your ministry and your work and your live streams for the way you're equipping and blessing the church, the body of Christ all over the world. Uh, once again, to our listeners, you can check us out on all podcasting platforms. Do subscribe to the channel to stay on touch on all our upcoming contents and uh, we'll see you in the next one. God bless.